0: Book six Chapter Eleven of the Heavenly Twins This is a Libra Fox recording. All Libravox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit Labrefox.org. The Heavenly Twins by Sarah G. Chapter eleven. I went abroad that year for my holiday, but spent the last week of it in London on my way home. All the vapours of sentimentality had disappeared by that time. My nerves had been braced in the Alps my mind had been calmed and refreshed by the warm blue mediterranean my sense of comparison emphasized in egypt where i perceived anew the law of mutability the inevitable law by the decree of which the human race is eternal while we its constituent atoms have but a moment of intensity to blaze and burn out perishable life and permanent matter are we with a limit that may be prolonged in idea by such circumstances as we can dwell on with delight one lovely day being longer in the record than whole monotonous years it is good to live and love but if we possess the burden of life unrelieved by the blessing of love or the hope of it well why despair man is matter animated by a series of emotions the majority of which are pleasurable disappointment ends like success and the futile dust of nations offers itself in evidence of the vanity of all attributes except wisdom the wisdom that teaches us to accept the inevitable silently and endure our moment with equally undemonstrative acquiescence whether it comes full fraught with the luxury of living or only brings us that which causes us to contemplate of necessity and without shrinking the crowning dignity of death i had come back for work and could have cheerfully dispensed with that week's delay in london but i had promised it to an old friend in failing health whom i would not disappoint the people at morne the kilroys the hamilton Wellses, the Cahoons, all my circle of intimate friends had fallen into the background of my recollection during my tour abroad but now again when i found myself so near them the old habitual interests began to be dominant i had sent notes to apologize for not wishing them good-bye before my sudden departure but i had not written to any of them or heard from them during my absence and did not know where they might all be at the moment and i was just wondering one night as i walked toward piccadilly from the direction of the strand i was just wondering if they were all as i had left them if the civil war as angelica called it was being waged as actively as ever between herself and evadne upon the all-important point and that made me think of evadne herself i had banished her name from my mind for weeks but now some inexplicable trick of the brain suddenly set her before me as i oftenest saw her sitting at work in the wide west window overlooking the road and glancing up brightly at the sound of my horses hoofs or carriage wheels as i rode or drove past to salute me a lady might wait and watch so at accustomed hours for her lover but he would stop and she would open the window and lean out with a flower in her hand for him and perhaps she would kiss it before she tossed it to him and he would catch it and go on his way rejoicing a pretty poetical dream and easy of fulfilment if only one could find the lady suitably circumstanced i had arrived at piccadilly circus by this time at the turn into regent street where the omnibus stop and was delayed for a moment or two by the casual crowd of loiterers and people struggling for places and by those who were alighting from the various vehicles not being in any hurry myself it amused me to observe the turmoil the play of human emotion which appeared distinctly on the faces of those who approached me and were lost to sight again as soon as seen in the eddy and whirl of the crowd there was temper here and tenderness there this person was steadily bent on business that on pleasure and one fussy little man escorting his family somewhere was making the former of the latter there were two young lovers alone with their love so far as any outward consciousness of the crowd was concerned and there was a young wife silent and sad beside a neglectful elderly husband it was the buses from the west end i was watching one had just moved off toward the strand and another pulled up in its place and the people began to alight a fat man first in a frenzy of haste a sallow priest whose soul seemed to be sickened at the sight of the seething mass of humanity amongst which he found himself for he hesitated perceptibly on the step like a child in a bathing-machine who shrinks from the water before he descended and was engulfed in the crowd a musician with his instrument in a case two fat women talking to each other a little cockney work-girl and her young man and then a lady there could be no mistake about her social status the conductor standing by the step recognized it at once and held out his arm to assist her the gaslight flared full upon her face the expression of which was somewhat set she wore no veil and if she did not court observation she certainly did not shun it she was quietly but richly dressed and had one seen her there on foot in the morning one would have surmised that she was out shopping and looked for the carriage which would probably have been following her but a lady striking in appearance and of distinguished bearing alighting composedly from an omnibus at piccadilly circus between nine and ten at night and calmly taking her way alone up regent street was a sight which would have struck one as being anomalous even if she had been a stranger but this lady was no stranger to me i should have recognized her figure and carriage had her countenance been concealed i had turned hot and cold at the first foreshadowing of her presence and would fain have found myself mistaken but there was no possibility of a doubt she passed me without haste and so that i could have laid my hand upon her shoulder but i let her go in sheer astonishment What? in the name of all that is inexplicable was evadne doing there alone at that time of night such a proceeding was hardly decent whatever her excuse and it was certainly not safe this last reflection aroused me and i started instantly to follow her intending to overtake her and impose my escort upon her she was out of sight because she had turned the corner but she could not have gone far and i hurried along after her nearly upsetting a man who met me face to face as i doubled into regent street it was colonel colquhoun himself in a joyful mood evidently and for once i could have blessed his blinding potations he recognized me but had apparently passed evadne ah me boy you here he exclaimed with an assumption of facetious bonhomie particularly distasteful to me all the world lives in london i think it's where you'll always come across anyone you want sly dog following a lady i'll be bound by jove i wouldn't have thought it of you galbraith but you'll not find anything choice in regent street come with me and i'll introduce you excuse me i interrupted and hurried away from the brute how had he missed evadne perhaps he was looking the other way but what a position for her to be in supposing he had recognized her my being so close would have made it none the better for her and could i be sure that he had not seen her i did not think he was the kind of man with all his faults to lay a trap even for an enemy whom he suspected but still one never knows evadne was far ahead by this time but the places of amusement were still open and therefore there were few people in regent street it is not particularly well lighted but i was soon near enough to make her out by her graceful dignified carriage which contrasted markedly with that of every other woman and girl i saw in any other place her bearing would have struck me as that of a person accustomed to consideration even if i had not known her but here judging by the confident way she held her head up i should have been inclined to set her down either as a most abandoned person or as one who was quite unconscious of anything peculiar in her present proceedings in another respect too she was very unlike the women and girls who were loitering about the street peering up anxiously into the face of every man they met evadne seemed to see no one and passed on her way superbly indifferent to any attention she might be attracting the distance between us had lessened considerably and i could now have overtaken her easily but i hesitated i could not decide whether it would be better to join her or merely to keep her in sight for her own safety i was inclined to blame her severely for her recklessness she had already passed her husband and might meet half the depot or be recognized by heaven knows who before she got to the top of the street and, as it was she was attracting considerable attention scarcely a man met her who did not turn when he had passed and look after her and any one of these might be an acquaintance my impulse had been to insist upon her getting into a hansom and allowing me to see her safe home but it had occurred to me upon reflection that i might compromise her more fatally by being seen with her under such circumstances than could happen if she went alone while i hesitated a tall thin man with a gray beard whom i thought i recognized from photographs seen in shop windows met her stared hard as he passed stood a minute looking after her and then turned and followed her if he were the man i took him to be he would probably know her and my first impression was that he did so and had recognized her and been like myself too astonished to speak if so he quickly recovered himself and as he evidently intended to address her now i was half inclined to resign my responsibility to him then i thought that if i joined her also nothing could be said two men of known repute may escort a lady anywhere and at any time i quickened my steps but purposely let him speak first coming up with her from behind he began in a tone which was more caressing than respectful it is a fine night he said evadne started visibly looked at him and shrank two steps away but she answered in a voice which i could hardly recognize as hers it was so high and strident i should call it a chilly night she said well yes perhaps he answered for the time of the year are you going for a walk i-i don't know she replied looking doubtfully on ahead she was walking at a pretty rapid rate as it was and her elderly interlocutor had some difficulty in keeping up with her perhaps if we turned down one of these side streets to the left it would be quieter and we could talk he suggested i don't think i want either to be quiet or to talk she said suddenly recovering her natural voice and tone well what do you want then he asked she looked up at him and slackened her speed perhaps since you are so good as to trouble yourself about me at all she said i may venture to ask if you will kindly tell me where in london i am his manner instantly changed you are in regent street he answered and that lighted place behind us where the crowd is what is that you must mean piccadilly circus and if i walk on what shall i come to oxford street you don't seem to know london don't you live here i do not live in london you have lost your way perhaps can i direct you anywhere no thank you she answered i can get into a hansom you know when i am tired of this if i might venture to advise i should say to do so at once he rejoined slightly raising his hat as he spoke and then he slipped behind her and furtively hurried across the street a considerably perplexed man i fancied and judging by the way he peered to right and left as he went one who was suffering from some sudden dislike to being recognized evadne paid as little heed to his departure as she had done to his approach a few steps farther brought her to a stand of handsome cabs she hesitated a moment and then got into one i took the next and directed the driver to follow her being determined either to see her back to her friends or to interfere if i found that she meant to continue her ramble her driver struck into piccadilly at the next turn and then drove steadily west for about half an hour by that time we had come to a row of handsome houses at one of which he stopped and my man stopped also at an intelligent distance behind but evadne never looked back she got out and ascended the steps with the leisurely air peculiar to her the door was opened as soon as she rang and she entered a moment later a footman came out on to the pavement and paid the driver with whom he exchanged a remark or two as he returned the light from the hall streamed out upon him and i saw with a sense of relief which made me realize what the previous tension had been that he wore the hamilton wells livery and then i recognized the hamilton wells town-house the driver of the now empty hansom turned his horse and walked him slowly back in the direction from which he had come the incident was over but what did it all mean the whole thing seemed so purposeless what had taken her out at all was it some jealous freak women have confessed to me that they watched their husbands habitually one said she did it for love of excitement there was always a risk of being caught and nothing else ever amused her half so much another declared she did it because she could not afford to employ a private detective and she wanted to have evidence always ready in case it should suit her to part from her husband at any time another said she loved her husband and it hurt her less to know than to suspect but i could not really believe that evadne would do such a thing for any reason whatever she was fearlessly upright and honest about her actions and her self-respect would have restrained her if ever an isolated impulse had impelled her to such a proceeding but still will you wait until the lady returns sir the driver asked at last peeping down upon me through the trap in the roof if he had not spoken i might have sat there half the night puzzling out the problem now however that he had roused me i determined to leave it for the present i remembered my duty to the friend with whom i was staying and hurried back resolving to go to evadne herself next day and ask her point-blank to explain i believe she would do so for in all that concerned her own pursuits the doings of the day i had always found her almost curiously frank after this wise determination i ought to have been philosopher enough to sleep upon the matter but her ladyship's escapade cost me my night's rest and took me to her early next morning in an angry and irritable mood i sent up my card And evadne received me at once in lady adeline's boudoir this is an unexpected pleasure she said how did you know i was in town i saw you in regent street last night i answered bluntly what were you doing there yourself she said the question took me aback completely and the more so as it was asked with an unmistakable flash of merriment answer me my question first i said you could have no business out alone in london at that time of night laying yourself open to insult i don't recognize your right to question me at all she answered unabashed i have the right of any gentleman who does his duty when he sees a lady making a fool of herself thanks she said laughing the privilege of protecting a woman of saving her even in spite of herself from the effects of her own indiscretion is one of which a man seldom avails himself and i did not understand you at first excuse me but how do you know i could have no business out at that time of night do you imagine that you know all my duties in life i was bewildered by her confidence by her levity i may say but i persisted i cannot believe that you had any business or duty which necessitated your being in a disreputable part of london alone late at night i said but i hope you will allow me the right of an intimate friend to warn you if you run risks in your ignorance or to reprove me if i do so with my eyes open she suggested to ask for an explanation at all events if i do not understand what your motive could be you are very kind she said you want me to excuse myself if i can otherwise you will be forced to suspect something unjustifiable that is the literal truth i answered she laughed but you have not answered my question she said what were you doing there yourself i had been dining at the charing cross hotel with a friend who had just returned from india I told her, and I was walking back to the house of the friend with whom I am staying. He lives in a street off Piccadilly. But what were you doing in Regent Street? Following you. She laughed again. Did you see that old man speak to me? She asked. Yes. Horrid old creature, is he not? He gave me such a start. Did you recognize him? Yes. I did not at first, but when I did, I thought I would make him useful she meditated for a little then she said it did me good what i asked that start she replied it quite rousted me but now tell me i should never have supposed that you had no business anywhere at any time why are you not equally charitable i was silent tell me what you think took me there an unholy curiosity i blurted out that is an unholy inspiration which has only just occurred to you and you cannot entertain the suspicion for a moment she said this was true but after all she pursued what business have you to take me to task like this it is not a professional matter i don't know that i answered this was another inspiration and it disconcerted her for she changed countenance you have a nice opinion of me she exclaimed i have the highest opinion of you i answered and nobody knows that better than yourself but what am i to think when i find you acting without any discretion whatever think that i am at the mercy of every wayward impulse but i know that you are not i replied and i am unhappy about you will you trust me will you explain will you let me help you if i can I believe there is some trouble at the bottom of this business. Do tell me all about it. Well, I will explain, she said, still laughing. I was driving past, and seeing you there, I thought I would horrify you. So I stopped the carriage. You got out of an omnibus, I exclaimed. Well, that was my carriage for the time being, she answered, in no way disconcerted you do not expect me to own that i was in an omnibus do you i wish you would be serious for a moment i remonstrated i wish you would tell me the truth as i always do tell the truth if i tell anything i think we had better let the subject drop she said with a sigh as if she were tired of it you mean you cannot tell me that is what i mean i reflected for a moment does lady adeline know that you were out last night i asked no she replied she was out herself and i returned before she did then you have not told her either she shook her head i would really rather you confided in her than in me if you can thank you she answered dryly can you i persisted no i cannot was the positive rejoinder. i rose to go forgive my officiousness i said i ventured to hope you would make use of me but i am afraid i have been forcing my services upon you too persistently she rose impulsively and held out both hands to me i wish i could thank you she said looking up at me frankly and affectionately i wish i could tell you how much i appreciate your goodness to me and all your disinterestedness i wish i deserved it she clasped my hands warmly as she spoke then dropped them and instantly i became conscious of an indescribable sense of relief and prepared to depart at once but she stopped me again with a word as i opened the door dr galbraith she began with another flash of merriment tell me you were horrified now were you not i jammed my hat on my head and left her i did not mean to slam the door but her levity had annoyed me i fancied her laughing as i descended the stairs and wondered at her mood and yet i was reassured by it she would not have been so merry if there had been anything really wrong and it was just possible that the half explanation she had given me and withdrawn was the true one she might have been in an omnibus for once for some quite legitimate reason and while it waited at piccadilly circus she might have seen me as she had described it and got out in a moment of mischief to astonish me if that were her object she had certainly succeeded and it seemed to me more likely than that she should just have gone and returned for the sake of doing an unusual thing which was the only other explanation that occurred to me i saw lady adeline before i left the house and found that colonel colquhoun was not staying with them nor did she seem to know that he had been in town End of Book 6, Chapter 11